You are listening to the Amen Corner, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. For more information about the Amen Corner, please follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and all your other favorite social media. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 13 of the Amen Corner. He's Stephen Cook. And he's still Brad Rothschild. I'm not sure I still am. Yeah, I think you are. Hey, I'm coming to you live from Poughkeepsie, New York. Poughkeepsie? Poughkeepsie, New York. Hey, remember, like, um, Sunday's CBS Sports, Brent Musburger? Coming to you live from the vet in Philadelphia. <laughs> Where he was half in the bag by the time the game started. <laughs> Are you half in the bag? Are you fully in the bag right now? (laughs) Are you fully in the bag? bag. Too early. It's kind of half in the bag last night. Oh, really? No, no, no. I met up with some friends. I met up with some friends. We had a couple of drinks. Um, A couple seven drinks? No, we were more tame. Glass of wine, that kind of thing. It was nice. I'm here. um, How lovely. I'm at my alma mater because they're doing like a... It's called sophomore career connections. It's supposed to like give sophomores some like sense of you know their interests and what kind of careers they could have and so on and so forth. It's very cute. They're very nineteen cute. and twenty years old. I know. I said to them, I was like, "Listen, you guys cannot come out of this weekend being like crazily career directed. You got to like have some well, they, fun in college." They went into the weekend crazily career directed. <laughs> well, that was they wouldn't like have done to it. Them off the ledge. <laughs> It's tough, like, man. I mean, this it's generation, tough. they don't have any fun, man. Well, I think they have fun. I think that there's a lot of pressure on them. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I did mean, you, how, how much were you thinking about your career when you not were enough, like, clearly? <laughs> uh, certainly, there were people who were thinking about it more than I was by, by far. But I mean, I um, think I was probably thinking about it more than most of my friends, and I didn't think about it all that much. I mean, it was and a different I had time. internships over the summers. It was a different time, though. Yeah. First of all, for as expensive as college was back then, is nothing compared to how expensive it is now. I mean, it seemed really expensive. What was it like, twenty two thousand dollars at that time? I can't even remember, (laughs) but it's clearly way more expensive, and it's obviously uh, a struggle for a lot of Americans to pay for college. And there's pressure to find a high paying job after you graduate because first of all, a lot of people have student loans they have to pay off. Absolutely. And then the colleges market themselves by like the percentage of graduates yeah. who have jobs upon graduation. Yes. And and that used to be a thing for grad schools, right? Like you would go to grad school and they, one of the selling points would be the like how quickly you get a job afterwards. Now right. it's undergrad. And right. um, it, there's a, I'm telling you, there's a lot of pressure on kids. And there's always, look, you know this better than I do, the, the debate about well, why study the humanities or why would you go into the social sciences when you can't get a job that pays you a living wage afterwards? Yeah, so you have more. You need to more, know something. Focused. Like you can be, you why, why not study, you know, be a liberal, go to a liberal arts school and then you can go on to professional school. You can go on to law school. You can go but, on to. But for the amount of money that no, you have to point. pay, it's for a lot of parents who are footing the bill or even kids who are footing their own bills. It's like, I can't afford to do that. No, I think the backlash is is going to come on this. I mean, like it's what, eighty eighty five thousand dollars a year to go to a lot of these schools, and if that and the argument you're making is a cogent one, like I'm going to have all these. What's the point of being a philosophy major 
if right, I'm well, you can't pay. have you don't have any skills that get right. You, and then you go to law school and you pile on another couple hundred thousand dollars of debt. It just doesn't make any sense. I mean, so like, why wouldn't you go to like University of Maryland or you know whatever where it's one third the cost? But that's not wrong. No, that's not wrong. I, and a I lot mean, of these schools have those honors programs. That's which, right. You know, are excellent. Yeah, Look, yeah. What one of the reasons why um, Talia is going to the school that she's going to is because since she didn't know exactly what she wanted to study, it's like, why are we going to spend seventy five thousand dollars on a private university where you when you don't really know what you want yet? Right. So you know, we'll spend less money, you'll have more fun, and you'll get the same thing out of that education. So if she wants to go to grad school, she'll go to grad school. And do you know? Mia, my Mia, I think she's going to choose what school she goes to based on whether it has a Lululemon on campus or not. Well, tell you, she sent me a she sent me a text showing me that there was a Lulu camp Lulu on the campus of Penn State. No, I get it because Talia is at a school where there's a Duncan on campus, and that's Ooh. a big deal for her. I would have a coffee <laughs> cake muffin uh. every morning. Yeah, I don't know if you want and a, that. And a, and a Dunkin' Midnight Dark or whatever yeah, it's called. I oh, God, yeah. I That's love a lot of coffee. money. That, that shit adds up, I love the up, coffee man. cake muffin. That's Did my that go-to in the airport at 5 in the morning. It's like a 600-calorie breakfast. I know, but if you have to get up at 3.30 for your si- you gotta 3 o'clock yourself. for your 6 a.m. departure, you got it. Yeah. You got this something. You got to so, You need something, and you're sitting in, like, seat 27E right in the middle. Yeah. Well, try and not having to that Dunkin' coffee cake muffin. It's the only yeah. thing that's going to give me joy for three hours. And then the, if you have that dark whatever blend that you're drinking too, and you got that middle seat, you're in trouble. <laughs> you're in trouble. And then I got to pee six times because I got a large because it was three in the yeah. morning. Yeah, you're in trouble. Like, maybe, sir, it's maybe, only a 45-minute flight. Seriously. I know, maybe, but I had that Dunkin'. Maybe get the aisle <laughs> seat next time. Steve. Just saying. Just saying. Yeah, but I mean, think about like a school like Northeastern. And I'm sure we've talked about this before. Like Northeastern was on nobody's radar screen when yep. we were growing no, up. Nobody. No. It was like a commuter school. But they have managed to turn themselves, to transform themselves into yes. a highly desirable school. Because they have those internships. They place, yeah, they have paid internships. Paid and internships. They, and they place you with a job, many of them. After, 100%. That's right. After, after you graduate. Yeah. So that school has become extremely popular. Yeah. And it's also one of the most expensive universities out there. Right. It's essentially. But you can make the argument that there's significant bang for the buck if you if you know you're going to get a job upon getting out. But the problem is you're looking now, we're looking at college as, you know, an investment rather than, you know, it's an education. Well, and there's it, the same thing with like. It's it's not that different with like master's programs, right? right? Like SICE, where I went, is really, really expensive. Yeah. Or like my are. sister-in-law did like a master's in early childhood development at Tufts. And I remember my father-in-law, after paying for it, going, is there a job in this field that pays more than like- $30,000 30, a year? <laughs> he, was, he said $29,999.99. Oh, really? And they were like, No. But, but, I was like, but I you, don't know. You, but you do that, dude. You, you do that because you know that's your calling, right? You're not going into a program like that because you see the dollar signs, right? Right. right. But it, you know, it costs a lot of money. Yeah. Education is expensive, and yeah. by the way, 
the cost of living is insane these days. And if you're a young graduate trying to make it on your own, it's really tough out there. I'm so I'm like one of the oldest alumni here. I think I met oh, someone really? who from like class of 78. Well, based on the surveys from the students, what they want is they want in one of each of the different kind of quote unquote industries that they have set up for mentoring, they want yeah. like one or two people who are well established in the field. That's you. And then they want younger people who can give them advice more recently about how to get into the field and so on and so forth. It makes sense. So I'm one of the established people. Anyway, I was talking to one of these guys, another mentor. He graduated in like 2016, 2017. <laughs> he like lives in New York. Yeah. I was like, oh, where do you live? He's like, Oh, I live in Queens. I was like, yeah. Astoria? He's like, oh, wait, Astoria is yeah. really expensive. Very he lives expensive. in, you know, like further out. In Kew Gardens. Yeah. Yeah, like something like that. I don't know. Dude, you can't I was live a in Manhattan but... unless you're in banking, right? Or in right. some sort of finance. You cannot, as a 22-year-old recently graduated college graduate, you cannot live in Manhattan. It's almost impossible. So I remember our last rent check. Almost 16 years ago. Mia's yeah. 15 and a half years old. We moved like six weeks after she was born. Mm-hmm. My last rent check was is still now like $2,000 more than what I paid in the mortgage. Yeah, no, I don't doubt it. That was 16 years ago. Yeah. I can't imagine what it's that apartment was It's only gotten much now. worse. It's only gotten worse. I mean, I think the average rent in New York City is around $5,000 a month. Yeah. That's, that's a lot of money. And if that's you're, you know, making forty five, sixty thousand dollars a year, you can't right. That's what this that. kid must be making, and he's living out in like you know wherever Queens. You need roommates. You need parents right. who help you. Like it's not easy to make it on your own. Well, anymore. so yeah, so that, so and I, it's nice that they do this thing that you know where they sure like, give, they have to. I didn't. I mean, when I. I was at school. There was like a resume drop at the career development office. I mean, that was, it wasn't much. You remember they used to care about like the kind of paper that you use for your resume. Now, no, it's like, there's nothing physical anymore. Like, like do you want this like bonded? Yeah. Paper? And you'd have to take it to the printer and it would get typeset and everything like that. But the paper was a really important decision. To make. It totally like, important thing. Like, to, like, like how decide. much off white? <laughs> <laughs> it's so ridiculous and you would have like your little folio with your resumes in it and your <laughs> pen and paper and you would take notes hey i and, still do that man uh, yeah because you're I've got a school. folio yeah you're like the last one no I take, actually i, 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 I still have one but i have a tablet now yeah I'm, well i mean i can probably reach right now and find my folio with every <laughs> have your resume logo from on 1991 it. in it <laughs> let me take a look yeah there you go there it is. <laughs> oh, you know what? I emptied it out. There's nothing here. <laughs> but it says every university. I thought you were like fucking with me. No, no, no. This is the real. Is it leather? Forever. It looks leather. It is leather. That's very nice. It, you know, it's a little old, but um, I walk. I'm going to send you some like off-white cotton to, yeah, bond but, paper. Ooh, don't, don't break the bank on that. That shit's expensive. <laughs> Can you even get that stuff anymore? Uh, probably if you go to like FedEx Kinko's or whatever it's called. Now. Yeah. Remember you used to have to go to Kinko's to get your resume printed up? You, I, I remember before that. You, I, I remember in here in Poughkeepsie, I had to go to like some printer. They're like, they're like, you know, you go to this printer and whatever, and then you bring the, you know, I printed it out. What should say on my resume on my Mac 512 KE 
and I brought it to the printer and they like literally typeset it yeah. and they gave you a sample and you had to read it over before they printed it. It was like, holy shit. It was a whole process. It took like 10 days. It's like the Gutenberg Bible. <laughs> That's how old we are. But then the whole thing that was nuts was you had to do it all over again. Yeah. And then but, if somebody makes, had an internship and if somebody makes a comment on your resume and you need to edit it, then you need to print it out all over again. And yeah, every experience you need to sort of put on there now, much easier. It's yeah, easier yeah. from a technical perspective, but harder from a, you know, hey, I'm going to get a job perspective. Yeah, but did you have a job when you came out of, when you graduated? I didn't have a job. No, I moved to Israel for two years. Oh, right. So I, well, I, I hold on. That's not even fair. I did have a job. My father made me work for him for a few yeah. months before I went to Israel. So he's like, I, if you think you're going, he's like, this is what you're doing first. Good listen times. to what a moron I was. Mm. So my girlfriend was a junior and I was graduating. She got uh, like money, some sort of fellowship to go. And she was an art history major to study at the Matisse Chapel in the South of France. And I was graduating from college and she's like, why don't you come with me? I have like a month there and then we'll travel around or come and meet me and we'll travel around Europe and so on and so forth and have fun. I was like, Hey babe, I got to find a job. And so, and Which didn't, I didn't do. I graduated so, into a recession. I actually ended up working for my uncle for about six months. So you stayed college. at home instead of going to Europe? Yeah, with my girlfriend. Yeah, because... What kind of moron was I? Well, at the time, it wasn't like accepted as much to just like, oh, no, I'm just going to go to Europe for a few I months. I don't know, man. It was a lot I, my, harder I think my of an argument sort to of make. wigged out, though. Like, and because I actually spent half the summer just kind of lying on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> like and going into the city at night to hang out with my friends and, and looking for a job and looking quotes. but for- <laughs> it wasn't quite as acceptable to just like all right i'm going to europe for six weeks i don't have any prospects for a job but i'll see you <laughs> I- when i get back because parents were freaking out about shit like that plus here's the other thing none of us wanted to move back home with our parents after we graduated college that wasn't really a well, thing so th- there was now, the solution it's though a, it's a thing Right. Now kids do live at home after right. they graduate because of what we talked about earlier, how expensive right. shit is on the outside in the outside world. It's just much more difficult. So, so it's more you, acceptable to, to come back and live with your folks than it was back in our day. So what's the what's the upshot of this? That the kind of state universities with the honors programs are much are are a better investment. Well, if you're looking at it as small liberal arts colleges as or elite universities that cost $85,000 a year to go to. Well, I mean, what we're leaving out here is that um, every school offers need-based scholarships. No, and not it, every school. Well, it's just about all of the good ones do, mm-hmm. but you have to qualify for it. Right. If you do qualify for it, you can get money to go yeah, to school. Yeah, but like, if you're an early decision candidate, they're not going to give you merit aid because they know you want to go there. I'm not certain if I you, think if I think a lot of ED students don't get. I'm not sure that that's right because it's this most of the or you don't get as need, much. Most of the schools are need blind. I mean, are uh, they're they're yeah they do not accept. By the way, we reject just you based on Lauren financial. This situation. is a goddess on many levels, but while I've been away, she did the FAFSA form without go. me. I mean, oh my God! So that's got so to be saving school. me years of my life. I'm, I'm going to live longer because she did that. 
So if you do not qualify for lots of money, but you yeah. don't have lots of money, yeah. uh, the, the state schools might be a better yeah. option, especially if you want to study something like, I don't know, history or poli-sci, where you could essentially do that in many good state schools where they have good programs. Where I they mean, have- the Ohio State University has one of the best political science departments in the country, University of Wisconsin, University of Michigan. Have great seem, political science. I seem to remember a lot of Berkeley. a lot of Middle UCLA. East stuff coming out of Indiana back in the day. Indiana, ha- Indiana has um, a very good Middle East studies yeah. program, and Indiana University Press did a lot. On yeah, I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. So absolutely, you don't have to go to the highest ranked small liberal arts college in order to get a good education in the liberal arts. So you you're don't. saying that Harvard doesn't matter? I didn't say that. <laughs> I'm starting to think that the elite schools don't matter that much. Well, I shouldn't say that. I'm sitting in the I'm sitting, sitting in the elite school. house of the of Vassar College, my my alma mater. And that's I an mean, elite school. What's an elite school? Your alma mater. <laughs> I'm looking at a book right now, Indiana. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's yeah. old. The history of the Israeli Palestinian conflict. Is that still going on? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it should have been solved by now, right? I, it was pretty much solved when we were in grad school, wasn't it? I mean, it was supposed to be the Palestinian state, the end of Oslo, right? That's that it was, was five years. It was a six-year negotiation. Five, yeah, it was like, and I remember going. It was in the early, in the mid '90s, right? Yeah. I went to a friend's wedding in Washington D.C. Yeah. And one of the guests at his wedding was one of the Israelis who was a negotiator in the Oslo Accords. Right. And this was already after Netanyahu had come to power for the first time. So it was after right. Rabin was assassinated. And so we're talking like 97, 98. Yeah. Yoel Singer was the uh-huh. name of the negotiator. And I went up to him and I'm like, well, what's going to happen? He's like, there will be an agreement because it says there has to be by 1999. <laughs> he was fully convinced that he's well, like, no, no, this will happen. It's according to the accords. This is what will happen. So, you know, this it was summer wrong. 97, I had research money. I spent half the summer living in Ramallah and then half the summer is living in Israel. And I knew something was a little funky and off on this because although it was like a boom time in Ramallah and there was lots of investment, a lot of Palestinian Americans were investing in Ramallah, I'd go into these shops and like behind the red, not every shop, but I remember like one, like the telephone place where I can make an international call and so on and so forth. There were posters of Yahya Ayash, Uh who was the Hamas bomb maker at the time who the Israelis had killed in 96 and then i would be in israel i'd be in jerusalem and i'd go through like the jewish quarter and you go you know how you go down the steps to the plaza in front and there'd be these guys there with their posters of what the temple mount would look like with a rebuilt temple with the just it destroy laksa and then the dome of the rock i was like Somehow, well, there are always people not on both always sides. constituencies yeah. for peace everywhere. Well, no, both sides had plenty of uh, of people opposed to it. And now clearly. they're in charge. And now they are in charge. That is correct. <laughs> oh my god, fucking that a why correct. But hopefully not for much longer. Hopefully yeah. not for much longer. At least in, in Israel, hopefully not for much longer. We'll see, man. I don't but know. yeah, this is uh, good times.
we thought that this part of this conflict would be solved by the time we're i'm really glad age. you pulled that book up the history like it's like and it's that? a big book it's getting oh bigger. my god <laughs> you know what it's getting bigger but nothing has really changed nothing's really changed other than One of, you're talking about ul singer i was um I was on a plane and sitting behind me was one of the like the big Macha peace processors and we're talking and he's like, you know, there hasn't been a new idea on this no, since there the really commission. I'm like, uh, yeah. What was that? 1937? Something like that. Yeah. There, there's no, because again, what are you going to come up with that hasn't already been right. thrown out there? there? There are only so many solutions to this problem. Right. Um, dude, wasn't there a like a hundred day rally? Yeah, in New York on Friday, and then there was a big pro Palestinian rally in DC. In DC. Yeah, I saw. I didn't see how it said. Too. I read the posts this morning. I didn't read the article. I just read the headline. The New York Post and the Washington Post. It was Washington Post. Okay, um, you have to be, you have to be specific. Oh right, because a lot of our well, no, I re- when I'm talking about sports, it's the New York. Okay, Post. sorry. <laughs> Go on. Um. It said thousands rally in Washington. Yeah, that doesn't mean sense. anything. Though. I know it didn't mean anything. Right? Could that could be, be a thousand, thousand or it could be a hundred thousand, yeah. right? And then how big was the, the the Israel rally? I couldn't tell you numbers, but like it was at Dog Hammarskjöld Plaza in front of the UN. And by the time the thing got underway, there were it was pretty jammed. Like pretty I jammed. got there probably a half hour before it started, and I was disappointed by how few people were there. But mm-hmm. as the thing went on more okay. and more people showed up. I mean, I up. think the thing in D.C. was planned to be really, really big. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't, I didn't hear very much about it. Yeah. Um, um, Chuck the, Schumer spoke at the pro-Israel one. Because he's a showmare. Yeah, exactly. My name is Shomer. Did he say hey, that? He, of course he did. <laughs> he that's so every good. Time, every time. That's so good. Well, it's like Joe, Joe Biden can't talk about Israel without talking about Golda Meir. Chuck exactly. Schumer can't talk about being not being a showmare. And the governor of uh, New York spoke. Uh-huh. And then they had this. Did you ever watch this uh, Netflix show? I think on my unorthodox life, it's called. Have you ever heard? No, about I this? know about it though. I didn't see it. It's this woman who you know used to be ultra orthodox, right. and now she's a fashion designer. Her name right, is Ju- right. Julia Hart. She didn't you tell me there's something like funky about her story, like this stuff that doesn't add up. Oh no, that's story. somebody else. That's oh, okay. somebody else. But this, you know, this is like a. Forgive me, anybody who likes this uh, show. It's a bit trashy and uh-huh. kind of gross. And okay. she spoke, and she was horrible, in my opinion. I'm like, she's screaming. <laughs> you know, and the first thing she said, she's like, "I am a victim of rape. I have been raped." And like that was how she went into, you know, nobody believes. Uh, how right. dare we not believe these women? And she was screaming, and. Um, Somebody who I was with looked at me. He's like, "I don't think she's convincing anybody who wasn't already convinced." Well, that's right. the that's the deal with these rallies, right? And, that's uh, true. On campus yesterday, you know, they're having all these like seminars and so on and so forth. And outside them, people are handing out pamphlets. Vassar alumni for Palestine because there's a Vassar for Israel group that yeah. was established years ago, and it's all about getting the schools to divest. I don't. I mean, I. I'm not really aware of like that Vassar has big investments. They must invest in funds that right, invest in exactly, companies right, and so on and exactly, so forth. Exactly, right. But I got the pan I got two copies of the pamphlet to send to some of my very, very pro Israel Vassar friends. So are you pro Israel or pro Palestine? What's that? 
Are you pro-Israel or pro-Palestine? I'm pro-Steven. Pro, no, that's not an option. I'm pro-Jew. Yeah. Oh, so you're pro-Israel. I'm pro-Jew. Pro now, I'm, I, I, I mean... I don't like the binary. Uh, yeah. Right? Like, can't you be like, I'm, I'm for peace between these people? I support Israel and I want to, and, I support both. Like, can we, right. and can we like, say it would be a two state solution? I just don't think there's going to be one. Yeah. You know, one of my friends who's a uh, Middle East expert at, uh, who works for a very prestigious uh, think tank mm -hmm. has been telling me for as long as I've known him <laughs> that um, the two state solution is just not possible. And, and the first time I heard him say that was probably like 15 years ago. I'm like, what? I'm like, well, what's going to be? And you know what he told me? He's like, Israel's going to end up looking a lot like Lebanon. <laughs> the people with options are going to leave, and all you're going to have left are the fanatics and the people who have nowhere else to go. I'm like, did I say Lebanon? Yes. Oh, was that you? Oh, yeah, it was you. <laughs> That's right. It was you. And honestly, the first time you told me that, I'm like, what do you mean there's no hope <laughs> for a two state solution? Man. But you know, the longer time goes by, and the I'm just more... playing the percentages here, man. Well, I mean, but there is, as we've been talking about, there has been no solution, even though the contours of a deal have been known for eh, close to 100 years now. Um, it seems that, you know, what my friend told me 15 years ago is more right than not right. And right. I wanted him to be wrong. <laughs> I and I still to want him to be wrong. By the way, there was some questions in the in the seminars yesterday. It was broken up like I was in the international affairs and policy yeah. group, and there were questions about like how do you deal with the world situation, right? Like you know when we were when we were coming up, something would ha like it took weeks before anybody knew that Hafiz al Assad had murdered twenty five thousand people in Hama. Right. And a young, right, enterprising no New York Times journalist named Thomas Friedman was the freaking guy who found it all <laughs> out. Right. And it was like weeks and weeks and weeks. Now we like experience war in real time. Yeah. And so people were saying it's like kind of devastating. And like, how do you how do you deal with it? And so I was saying, you know, it's a real it's a live issue because we are experiencing it real time because there's technology and stuff. And then in, in this question came up and I did three of these things. I did three of those and I did three of like living abroad kind of two of living abroad. Yeah. In each one of the ones where people asked about like self-care and mental health because the world is a terrible place. I very specifically mentioned that I had seen the October 7th footage and yeah. how it had a yeah. profound impact on me because right. these are college campuses and there's lots of shit out there. There's lots of TikTok bullshit. There's lots of irresponsible faculty. And what they say? Like, no one, re no one responded. Really? negatively at all no one said oh you're engaged in lies or propaganda or anything like that which well, leads me to believe not. that most people actually understand what happened but are afraid to speak out because if you because they don't want to be canceled or you know called something that they don't want to be and ostracized on campus but so, you know as much as you say like you know they live it in real time you know it's not like we grew up in the stone age no right? of course so not. so i remember being in college and watching the Berlin Wall come down well, live, yeah. right? Like right. there were, and, things... and we watched the we fought, we watched the first Intifada on TV. But it was yeah. like you had to wait until like Dan Rather came on at seven o'clock, right? But there were certain places, like you're saying, like the hinterlands of Syria. It was right. a lot harder to get. And that to. was 1982. Yeah, right. True. But like Tiananmen right. Square, we Tiananmen watched Square, live. Right. 
I remember right? watching Tiananmen Square live in my sister's apartment in DC and being like, I can't fucking believe this is happening. Yeah. Because CNN was there. I mean, that was, you know, CNN is, you know, those were glory days of CNN. They were. Like something was big was happening. Berlin Wall was all CNN. That's um, where they made their Tiananmen moves. was all CNN. Yeah. First Gulf War, all CNN. All like CNN, that. right? But now you can go on, you know, Twitter, TikTok. TikTok. I mean, the stuff's getting live streamed and so on and so forth. In addition to the fact to all the mis and disinformation yeah. uh, and, and stuff. So it's it, a tougher reality to yeah. try to figure out. Like there's so much information. It used to be, like you said, we would watch the nightly news or then right. CNN and you would see what was happening. Now you're flooded with what's happening right. and, and you're, you're flooded and, with and a lot of misinformation. You got the, the New York Times time. or the Washington Post or maybe you got, you know, my the driveway my house the morning we got the new york times the afternoon we got newsday right um but but there was now i mean all day long you're constantly getting pinged with news alerts newsletters yes substack right but a lot of stuff also is just misinformation because we have people with agendas who are trying to push those agendas on us versus watching i have to (laughs) yeah Stop polluting the airways with your Amenu bullshit. With the Amenu corner? <laughs> I mean, I'm going to start a podcast for the organization called the Amenu Corner. You and I should do that. Uh, so I'll throw some resources at us. Yeah, lefty Jew, self-hating. You merits voters. You would say uh, labor voters, but there's no labor party. There's no labor, I'm the leader of the labor party. What's Which her name? Merav Mikhaili? Yeah. She was in, in our apartment. I, oh, right. You told me that. <laughs> she was at the meeting I was at in UAE. Oh, really? Yeah. She's not the head anymore. She no, I know. I know. She yeah. told me. She's like, Labor Party sucks. Well, she did it no favors by not merging with Merits before the election. And yes. Thereby preventing uh, any sort of block right. from emerging on the left. Um, so when do we that think being said, I like her. When when do we think there's going to be Israeli elections? I don't know when the it's, war is over, we, whatever that means. Like, I think second half of 2024. I, I think this year it's got to be. I don't think he can. The coalition there is going to make it for much longer. But who knows? Right. Okay. Doesn't seem like an end in sight. In any no, way. but hopefully the conflict will end this year, so we can update the books, and that'll be the end. Yeah, add another six hundred pages to that big honking exactly. book you pulled off your book. Jordan's book. Jordan's going to uh, write the ending to Howard Sacker's uh, history of Israel, and then that'll be he'll just tie it up in a nice. Because bow. he'll be he'll have yeah. become the professor yeah, of history, exactly. right? Exactly. I mean, so they're the same height. No, Jordan's taller. I know, but Howard was a. You could tell when Howard was younger. No, he was, even no, he even was, he was because no, he, he struck me as being Jordan. quite tall. Yeah, he carried. No, I only knew tall. him in later life. Yeah, he carried himself tall, but he was not taller than Jordan is now. No, 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 I'm not saying that, but he was taller. No, not taller he was than taller. Jordan. Yeah, yeah, right. he was like yeah. six. Tall. He was by the time I met him, he was kind of stooped, but you yeah. can tell he was a taller man. Yeah, he, he had a younger taller man. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. All right, so get back into your uh, career counseling for college <laughs> student thing. We're gonna have like it's like uh, informal networking brunch. Nice. But they're like, you know, 19 years old. So the, so like some of them are super shy about coming over. And I'm like, I, I don't it. bite. 
No, I totally get and it. I, get, I, I give props. I was talking to somebody yesterday standing in the in the dining hall and a young woman came up to me and she's like, hey, I'm super interested in the Middle East and I'm applying to go JYA to Egypt. And one of my friends and I would really love to talk to you. And I was like, great, come on, let's have lunch. And then a couple of other people um, yeah. sat down and had lunch with us. And it was a really fun conversation. I did so. something similar last year for Emory alumni who came yeah. up to New York. And they wanted, like, there was a panel and they asked, like, well, what do you want these students to know? I'm like, if you reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, I go to Emory, I'm going to respond to you. <laughs> Don't be shy. That's what I said. Do not be shy. Everybody, I was like, I have degrees from three different schools. Vassar is the only one where I feel committed, like that I'm going absolutely. There's no question I'm going to respond and there's no question that I'm going to actually try to help. I'm like, and most people also will reply. If you say every student, we all have good feelings about this and about you. Please don't be shy. It's 100%. Maybe it'll take me a day, but it's 100% I'm going to get back to you. I will get back to you, so don't be afraid. Yeah. All right. All right. So that being said, to our Amen Corner <laughs> listeners, if you want to reach out to us and say, I'm an Amen Corner listener, we'll respond to we you. We will respond. We will. With praise, right. with criticism, well, whatever you maybe, want to say to us. Well, not anything. No. Well, within reason. Within reason. No, no. We won't respond necessarily. Oh, no, 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 no. But if, if, they, if they reach out to us and praise us or criticize us, we will definitely respond. Well, depends on the criticism. <laughs> it can't be like an ad hominem attack. No, I mean Maddie's criticism was a was a was a constructive one. Okay, that's valid. Was only she the only one who's ever availed herself to our email address? No, no, we have a couple of others. Yeah. All right, all right, ready? Go to your informal brunch. Why, See you later. Wearing, why are you wearing a three piece suit? <laughs> later. <laughs> later.